this is amazing. For those of you just listening to the podcast, uh, that was Pat Reagan that came out with a pillow under his shirt to uh, take on the Red Band character. And then uh, he brought out, I guess, perhaps Joel is supposed to be me, I guess? Uh, I didn't really know that I looked like a Mexican Christopher Walken, but... Hey, uh, uh, oh, well, well when, you, when you're one of the top young rising comedians, you get close to the sun, you get a little bit of a tan, you know? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Guys, welcome to another edition of Kill Tony. As always, I have some of my funniest friends. Tonight is no different, please. I'm in the fucking Writer's Guild! <laughs> you sons of bitches! Gugana, 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 gugana. I've never done that. I've never made that noise before. If you haven't, you should. You should start. It's a Here good we noise go. for you. He's right. Gotta bring out my, uh, my guest. Guys, please put your hands together for my guest tonight, Joe Rogan! Oh my god. Wow. 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 For those of you listening to the podcast, he looks like the actual Joe Rogan if he had stage six cancer. <laughs> wow, if Powder got a bunch of tattoos, this is what it would be like. <laughs> oh my god. He has elk written on a Jack Ling's beef jerky bag and on it shirt arm tattoos. And how did you get your head to be like that? That's <laughs> impressive. You went to a real professional for that. <laughs> I'm a millionaire. <laughs> Uh, uh. Woo! Uh, uh, Holy uh, shit. Oh my god. Oh fuck yeah. yeah. My god. That was a clip from the five year anniversary of Kill Tony, and if you haven't listened or watched that episode yet, you gotta do it. You gotta get on it. My boy Patty Reagan was Red Band. Joel Jimenez played Tony Hinchcliffe, and I came out as Joe Rogan, as you just heard in that clip, and it was an insane amount of fun. Tony and I talk a lot about Kill Tony in this episode, and specifically the five-year anniversary. This episode is kind of uh, a cross a crossbreed between Jeremiah Wonders and a Kill Tony post-show. So if you like the two shows, I think you're really going to dig this episode. And if you don't know much about Kill Tony, I keep bringing it up on this podcast. you got to check that out as well. It's uh, one of my favorite things that I get to be a part of every single week with a bunch of my best friends. So definitely check that out, guys. How's your week? A lot of strange things going on in the world, a lot of weird stuff going on right now. I'm just going to try to keep spreading this positivity, trying to keep spreading this this good energy. It's all, all we can do in these, uh, in, these, in these weird, wacky, wild times, guys. Keep the head up and, uh, you know, 
try to do good for some other people. Huh? How's your week? Was it good? Huh? Eh, it could have been better, Jeremy. I don't know. Well, let's let's change that right now, huh? Why don't, what do you say we turn that around, huh? Why don't we get some laughs up in that gullet? <laughs> Why don't we get some uh, some smiles up on those rosy cheeks of yours, huh? Yeah, do my best. <laughs> I was on Movie Fights, uh, the show through Screen Junkies earlier in the week with Tony Hinchcliffe and Brian Redband. And it was so funny. We were all busting each other's balls and having a great time. And I uh, look at the comments later on YouTube and they hated us. We, I guess we didn't take the format seriously enough. And they just ripped us apart in the comments. It, it was pretty funny. But we had a lot of fun doing the show. And we thought we were killing. And, uh, for some people we were, I guess. And then other people, not so much. I don't know. But other than that, guys, doing the physical therapy thing on my arm. My arm's getting stronger. It's getting, getting better all the time. Did Jeremiah just do an Arnold impression? I don't know. He, but he said he's getting stronger all the time. Oh no, Jeremiah! How could you, how could you do an Arnold impression on? I don't know. It just came out. I didn't even mean. I didn't even mean what I do. Oh, Jeremiah, you're better than that. What are you doing? Why are you doing Arnold? I'm not doing Arnold. This is a strong guy. It's just like a strong man accent I'm doing right now. Jeremiah, stop it. Come on, man. What are you doing? I'm trying. But he's coming out on me. I don't know what's going on here. Anywho, guys, very excited about the sponsors that we have this week. Woo. Our first one is from Australia. Yeah. Go to youtube.com slash guru1. That's G-U-R-U-O-N-E. He's developing some music and software to change the key without the auto-tune effect. And uh, he did a pretty cool remix of uh, Pete Townsend's uh, Let My Love Open the Door. Mm? And some other fun stuff. So go to youtube.com slash guru1. G-U-R-U-O-N-E. And maybe he can uh, maybe you request something for him to uh, use software for and... Uh, do a remix of, huh? Huh? Also, another sponsor is from Thailand. I love the reach of this podcast. And uh, this sponsor is actually another podcast, at I Seen That Pod. Uh, I did uh, Alan's podcast a while ago, and we actually met through Skype while we were doing his podcast. And we talked about the movie Funny People. So check that out. That's at I Seen That Pod on Twitter. A couple new sponsors. One's from Australia, one's from Thailand. I love it, guys. If you want to sponsor the show, email yourboyjeremiahwatkins at gmail.com. Or if you want to share a kindness challenge story, do the same thing, or uh, send me some original music that you, you possibly want featured on the show, yourboyjeremiahwatkins at gmail.com. And of course, our OG sponsors, Bronxborn Pizza, at Bronxborn Pizza on Instagram and Twitter, at Speedweed on Twitter. Hit up Gino for that. Marijuana delivery service. Stick it, it, green, green, blue, yum, yum, kush, kush. Get it. At Joe's Pizza LA. Tell him Jeremiah Wonders sent you. Tell him Jeremiah Watkins sent you. When you go onto the Sunset Strip, going to go into that pizza shop. Do they know who I am sometimes? No, they don't. <laughs> Tell them anyway that they sent you. Then they'll honor a coupon. Maybe, possibly. I don't know. Sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't. Yeah. If that's not 
honest and I don't know what is. Sometimes they know me and who I am and they know my podcast. And then other times there's different people who are working shifts that are like, I have no idea who that is, dude. But you should be able to get a discount. I don't know. Kindness challenge. I got sent a a, a good letter from a guy named Jesse. I've never heard what he sounds like. I don't know what he looks like. But as I do, I'm going to wonder what he sounds like and read this letter for his kindness challenge. Dear Jeremiah, my name is Jesse from 209, California. I used to work a full-time job where I could listen to podcasts all day. Now I can only listen when working my second job driving for DoorDash. The struggle is real. Before I could listen to everything I wanted, now I only have a few hours a night to listen to a few podcasts. Best believe Jeremiah Wonders and Kill Tony are right at the top of the list. Something happened last night that immediately made me think of you and the kindness challenge. While working DoorDash, I stopped into 7-Eleven to grab a Rockstar and a Diet Coke, as is my normal routine. When I was walking back to the counter with my drinks, I saw a man at the taquito and hot dog rollers trying to order. He was pointing at the pictures of the taquitos and putting his hands to his mouth, then tapping his ear. The man behind the counter kept telling him, feel free to use any accent you feel appropriate. Which one, sir? I cannot see the picture. You must tell me which one, sir. The man behind the counter was becoming visibly and audibly irritated and continued to say, You must tell me, sir. I cannot see the picture, sir. Took me only a second to realize the man was deaf and could not communicate with taquitos he wanted. So, with myself being quite familiar with the hot food options for 7-Eleven, I tapped the deaf gentleman on the shoulder and did my best to communicate his order to the man behind the counter. Now, I don't understand sign language, but there is one gesture I do understand, and that is the sign for thank you, which the gentleman repeatedly signed to me. Only a minute later, the deaf gentleman was enjoying his cream cheese and jalapeno taquitos. Now, I know this wasn't a huge deal, and he may have eventually been able to place his order, but it felt good helping him out. Thanks for the hours of free entertainment. If you keep putting out the content, <laughs> I'll keep consuming it. Your boy, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse, for sharing that nice story. See, guys, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Jesse was helping out a guy who needed help in a 7-Eleven who, um, you know, he was a, a, a mute guy that could not communicate with the cashier. And he just let, you know, he lent out a helping hand to this guy uh, and helped get some food in his belly. Huh? Doesn't have to be a huge thing. If you don't know what the kindest challenge is yet... I implore you, basically, I challenge you guys every week to do something nice for a stranger or do something nice for somebody that you know. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be something as simple as helping somebody get some food at 7-Eleven. And the positivity and kindness, it pays forward to other people and it will improve your life. I guarantee it, guys. So keep on doing that and email me more of those stories at yourboyjeremiahwatkins at gmail.com. Thank you, Jesse. I really appreciate that. 209 uh, as uh, Tony is a fan of Nate Diaz from the 209 as well. Shout out to the 209 in California. What up? Guys, before we get into this episode, I want to share some tour dates with you. Let's do this. July 10th, Stand Up on the Spot. Every second Tuesday of the month, we do Stand Up on the Spot in the belly room at the Comedy Store. Working on that lineup now, but get your tickets for that. Always new, different, hot lineups. And we just released the Stand Up on the Spot episode last week from Moon Tower, and it got a really positive response. I'm going to try to every once in a while record those as podcasts but it's hard um you know uh just getting permission from the comics to do it and stuff like that 
and just doing it in the right environment. I want to make sure everybody's 100% happy with uh, releasing the audio from those because it's, a, you know, it's like uh, we're working on uh, like raw, like just ourselves, like being ourselves in the moment material. So some people don't want to release that. They just want to, to work on that for themselves and develop the bits later for themselves. Either way, I'll give you updates on that. July 13th through 15th, I'm in New York, baby. Yeah. Friday, July 13th, I'm with Josh Adam Myers and Avery Pearson at the New York Comedy Club for our show, Midnight Snack. It's uh, music, improv, comedy. I'll have my sax with me. Avery will be on the keys. JMO will be doing his thing, the ringleader of the, the crazy circus that we do. And then the 14th and 15th, that's Skankfest, baby, in Brooklyn. So right before you go to Skankfest, come to New York Comedy Club on July, Friday 13th. Do it. July 18th through 22nd, I'm at the Las Vegas Laugh Factory. Uh, I'm hosting there uh, with my buddy Sandro Yocalano and Andrew Santino is headlining from Showtime's I'm Dying Up Here. And then uh, July 24th, uh, the Reagan and Watkins headlining date that we had for Huntington Beach at the Rec Room. We have to reschedule. Uh, there, I might be doing a shoot that week. I can't uh, release the details on that yet, but we have to move it for scheduling things. And I got to figure out if I am going to be able to go to Montreal with Kill Tony uh, that week as well. But I will update you with that. Tony Hinchcliffe is on the show today. Absolutely one of my best friends. I have so much fun with him. He makes me laugh so hard. Uh, it's so funny. People sometimes ask like how he and I are such good friends and it's I think that we are very similar and very different at the same time uh we have like we share like a, a similar sense of humor but like sometimes it's like it's literally on the polar end <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum of uh I guess of of keeping things light versus dark and I think it's like a really fun balance that uh we always go back and forth with but I love this dude you guys know him. You love him. Please welcome my pal, Tony Hinchcliffe, back for the 25th episode of Jeremiah Wonders. Are we done yet? No, we're just starting. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, just the uh, the buildup and anticipation for the show is uh, it, it takes a it takes a minute with uh, your one arm friend over here <laughs> not wearing the sling today, and uh, maybe I should be. Man, I'm excited excited to be working with you, dude. It's always a pleasure to work with you in any capacity, and you were my first guest on this show, and you are back for the 25th episode of Whoa. Jeremiah Wonders. Wow. I thought you were going to... I thought when I was doing that first episode, I'm like, this is only going to last two or three episodes. <laughs> this is not going to uh, make it. But um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you had so much faith in the show. I, I'm a believer in what works and what doesn't work. Clearly, you made some changes. If the show has evolved, it's a much higher production value now. This wasn't here. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, that definitely wasn't there. When the first time that you did it, we were just on the the couch over there, mm -hmm. and um, you know, things uh, things have slowly been improving, and we're on video now. That's happening. Yeah. Whoa! 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 There it is. Oh, wow! Hey! Oh, man! Oh, yeah! I'll play the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm excited. We're gonna actually do some. Uh, we're gonna do a fun segment with, um, which I've never done before, with this TV and screen a little Ooh, bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you watch the video. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to hop on 
watching this video. This is going to be a very visual episode for you. Wow. Look how good that one good I know arm that works. that one good arm is. Woo. Uh, freaking going overtime. Really overcompensating. <laughs> An army of one. Mm-hmm. Dude, we just celebrated five years of Kill Tony on Monday at the Comedy Store. It was unbelievable. I had so much fun. It was probably the greatest uh, greatest night of my life. I think it edged out the Snoop Roast. I really do. Wow. I think it's the greatest accomplishment. My special taping, Snoop Roast, I think Kill Tony, five year, is the new number one. Well, I I am going to implore anybody to to look that up the live streams up now and red band's working on on the uh the edit of the 4k version but it's a comedy special it's crazy it's like not even there's so many surprise guests there's so many surprise elements it's like a star-studded evening it's amazing yeah i put a little i put a little extra effort into this one and we made up a a video a a pre- made video that played beforehand which you know sort of showed how the show started how it's evolved what it's come from uh you know everybody's sort of like their first time sort of like in it and it's all flying through it some tribute to the regulars some tribute to some of our favorite fallen soldiers um you know rowdy rowdy piper and ralphie may and kevin lee light and mitzi shore and a lot of the people that have been part of the show that uh, we've lost along the way and then we just got into it, guns a blazing. That was very surreal to see. Uh, the just in the past five years of us knowing just all of our friends and acquaintances through comedies and uh, people who we've looked up to that we've lost some like some pretty huge juggernauts of comedy. And it's like it's just within five years. It's it hit me whenever I like was watching it later. I was like, man, this is this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it hit me too. I uh, I almost teared up uh, watching it for the first time when Brian put it together and uh, when I actually saw it. Like I knew it was coming because um, I uh, I went through everything and sort of found the timestamps. But seeing it on the screen in the main room right before the show, right before we opened doors, it really, really hit me hard. It was like, you know, I don't know how to put it, but I mean, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Ralphie May. I mean, Mitzi Shore is, I mean, I built everything that I do out of that club. And Kevin Lee Light was one of the most positive human beings that I've ever met in the world. He was my across-the-street neighbor when I first moved to West Hollywood. Well, not when, when I first moved to West Hollywood, but when I moved out living with a bunch of comedians and uh, moved in with my girlfriend at the time, this is like 10 years ago, he literally lived across the street from me. For those of you that don't know, Kevin Lee Light is West Hollywood Jesus. It's a man that's super positive, super cool, and he literally looked like Jesus Christ. And, and he was in a ton of people's music videos, and he was like, he was always on TMZ. Like, he was a famous figure in Hollywood. But 10 years ago, he had never been to the comedy store, and I was always super nice to him. And back then... I mean, it was only 10 years ago, but people weren't as, it wasn't an accepting thing. People were like, who's the crazy guy that dresses like Jesus? But I was always super nice because he was always super nice. Yeah. I, I yeah. dabbled in it and he just got nicer and nicer. He was my across the street neighbor when I moved to that place. And he was the apartment manager for his building. So I'd walk out of my apartment on a beautiful day and you look across the street and Jesus is over there watering flowers and, you know, picking something off the ground and throwing it in the trash. It was so surreal because he was so 
um, Jesus-like. And, you know, I mean, I went to a Catholic school with a bunch of teachers that were mean to me, and I've always sort of been anti-religion, if you will. Not really, like, an- outgoingly anti, but I've just been like, eh, whatever, whatever, any- whatever gets anybody through their day has always been my sort of outlook on it. But nobody made me believe in, as weird as it sounds, nobody sort of made me believe in Jesus like Kevin Lee Light did. To me, he was Jesus, sort of. I just always sort of treated him on a... It's like on, personifying what, you know, Jesus is supposed to be. Yeah. Giving to others, loving everybody, treating everybody equally. Yeah. So I... I well, I don't think a lot of people know this, but I definitely was his segue into the comedy store. I was, We had uh, a fun relationship from being neighbors, and even back then I was a barista at Starbucks. You That's know. something that you and I share in common. Yep. We used to both be baristas at Starbucks. And look at us now. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> the golden pony and the golden goose. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, losing those people, you know, it was huge. And I knew that uh, we could throw those tributes at the end of the video because I knew that it was about to be hot gas. Bruce Buffer pulling in a, uh, a huge, huge, you know, performance. People freaked out. Out. I knew that whenever would. whenever that screen came up and they're standing the voice of the UFC. I made a point to put him in the video from episode one hundred when he uh brought up our new and our past regulars, our past regulars for their final time. We made the switch from Kim and Sarah to uh Ali Makovsky and Melissa Esslinger at the time. And I made sure to put his intros of that in the video that played before because it was in the belly room, because he was wearing a black t-shirt and jeans. And when I talked to him a couple weeks ago, he goes, uh, you know, you think I should, uh, you know, you think, you, how do you feel? You just tell me, be honest. You think I should uh, get dressed up for this one? I go, to be honest with you, Bruce, I think you should. It's the main room. It's going to be packed. That These people are going to be animals. So I knew that it was a good seed to plant in those people's heads, him a couple times in the black t-shirt, the belly room, and all of a sudden, boom, that screen goes up and he's in that purple suit. I mean, people literally lost their minds. I'm getting the chills again telling the story. I had written out those cards for him uh, days before, excitedly, you know, in his voice. I'm such a huge fan of him. I made a joke about him in my Netflix special in which I say, you know, stand-up comedy is a cool job, but there's people with better jobs out there and I talk about Michael Buffer and then I go but even cooler than Michael Buffer is brother Bruce but anyway I, you know I they're the Buffer brothers yeah well I <laughs> you know I made a point to make sure that my outlook of Bruce being one of the coolest people in the world with the coolest job was out there and he sort of immortalized you know forever so we've always had a great respect for one another and he comes and sees comedy shows sometimes and he just, you know, there's no other way to get a party started than with Bruce Buffer. Oh, yeah. And what's cool about, because you mentioned some of the other, like, super memorable, obviously, like, landmarks in your life whenever you, you did, like, the, the Snoop Dogg roast and the your Netflix special, is you had your wife and your mom with you yeah. at the comedy store on Monday. That's so, like, that's so cool. Yeah, I flew in my mom from Youngstown, Ohio, and... uh on top of all the other, uh, you know, I don't want to give everything away, but I, I feel like probably a lot of people that listen to this show probably are Kill Tony fans. If not, they're insane because if they love you and don't watch that show, they are completely insane. 
because you are, you know, you're one of the important organs that keeps the whole body of the show flowing. And, uh, you know, other than I, I wrote out, you know, Bruce Buffer's part, I time stamped the video, I, ha- I wrote out an entire thing of lighting changes for the great Danny Lucas, who really shined. I mean, oh, that was awesome. I mean, when I was rewatching the video, dude, those lighting cues. Oh my God, unbelievable. When, whenever your mom made that joke about Red Band, a spotlight goes <laughs> yeah. on Red Band, and Red Band, like, literally was so, like, yeah, I mean, shocked. she made the joke at the end about Joe Rogan. It zooms in on him. Dude. Just, it was amazing. His face whenever he literally pictured having sex with your mom for a second. <laughs> yeah. Whenever she said that, that that joke. But I wrote out all those things, and I also wrote my mom uh, a minute mm-hmm. to close the show, and I knew it had to close the show. And I did that for a reason, which is because I was very aware that this thing was getting started with a bang. I knew I had Bruce Buffer. I I knew that we were going to make a video. And it was only five or six days before, which I'm like, Mom, I'm going to need you to do something crazy. And she's so cool. I mean, she's just unbelievable. 72 years old and just down to have fun. She's been killing it at the comedy store all week. Oh, dude. She was at Roast Battle last night, and people were chanting, Joy, Joy, Joy. She she shut down an Instagram model last night, and it was amazing. It was unbelievable. <laughs> a 72-year-old mother of five shut down what has to be like a, you know, a 23-year-old fucking you know, hot, klutzy 10. There's just nothing that couldn't have been any better, because... If you think about it, like even a guy being mean to an Instagram model that just bombed, like it's easy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But me whispering into my mom's ear, you know, and then I'll just share it on the show, like how it went down. Like this, this girl wrote a bad rap to make fun of the Roastmaster General Jeffrey Ross. She literally <laughs> said, Jeff Ross, he's the boss. And I stood up in the section of the wave and I go, Boo! <laughs> and I got the whole room to go instantly. They're like, yep. Boo! And while that's happening, literally while you're doing that, and I warned my mom earlier, I go, look, Roast Battle's a crazy show. I'm going to sit us right on the rail. We're going to be right next to Jeff Ross. And I know you gave a big performance last night, but listen, if I whisper something in your ear and I tell you to say it, you just take my direction, put the mic right at the tip of your mouth and just say what I told you to say. Right. And she goes, come on, I don't really want to. Last night was my big night. I'm like, look, you just got to trust me. This is like fight club. This is a big deal. You're the mother to one of the top young <laughs> rising comedians. You I, got one left in you, mama. I go, we can, we can lose all the last night's momentum. <laughs> That's what I said. I'm just bullshitting her. But while you're doing the boo thing in the moment, I'm literally going, all right, listen, here's what we're going to do, mom. When I tap you, because I have my arm around her, yeah. literally around her and I go when I tap your shoulder twice like this I go you're gonna grab that mic and you're going to say the words oh because we had already established her Jeff had already said Tony Hinchcliffe's already mom said all that up, and yeah. I literally said I was excited I'm excited to bring my mom to her first ever live roast battle so mm-hmm. eight minutes later you're booing the Instagram model she just bombed there's this tension in the air that even booing her really isn't putting her in her place right so I go to my mom I go all right mom this is it here we go Here's what you're going to do. When I tap you on the shoulder twice, you say, she's not part of this show every week, is she? 
And my mom turns to me and goes, oh, come on. She's sitting right next to me. I can't make that joke. <laughs> His mom is one of the sweetest ladies ever, by the way. <laughs> She's the sweetest, but she also gets it. She gets it. She gets it. me that I'm putting oh, her yeah. in position. you know. And she felt the effects the night before. Oh, of course. Big time. Of course. I literally heard her tell someone on Monday night in the alleyway, like, I think that's the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, it was Whoa. it was cool getting to overhear her say that. That's pretty cool, At man. At 72. So she goes, I don't want to say that to her. She's sitting right next to me. Come on, Tony. Please don't make me do it. I go, you have to. This place is going to go fucking ballistic. You have, you have to. I'm literally like. I'm He's like literally the little devil on his mom's <laughs> shoulder. I've, at this point, I have both hands over her ears. I'm like, you absolutely have to. Just trust me. Trust me. And the mic comes back. Jeff gets it. But I, because somehow it just went by us because that girl's on the right of my mom and every, all the actions to the left. So Jeff ended up with the mic, but I go, Jeff, my mom has something she needs to say. And Jeff sets up my mom perfectly. Joy Hinchcliffe, what do you think about what's going on here? And she just said it. This girl isn't here every week, is she? (laughs) Dude, the room completely imploded on itself. There's something that a 72-year-old woman... I mean, and I learned this writing for Martha Stewart for the Comedy Central roast of Justin Bieber, which it's like my mind combined with the vessel of an old lady. Like you get to... If I get to use my edge... With this like, with a likable, sweet, respected, smart lady, it's game over. You can see it in the Kill Tony set that she did. You can see it in Martha Stewart's set, and she did it again last night at Roast Battle. Dude, she uh, the the other moment where it also leveled the room was Moses asked her the question that he always asks female guests on the show: Would you let the wave smash? And yeah. at first, your mom goes, "Beg pardon." Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't quite understand the question. I go. Say fuck yeah, fuck yeah! <laughs> this is crazy. Dude, we went up on stage and like Coach D started playing music, and the whole room was just like, "This is amazing." And there's what I've learned from the last couple days is there's nothing that makes me feel better than having my mom kill me. Getting the joke out there, what is it? It's a dime a dozen. We 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 kill, we fail every week. With jokes fall flat jokes crush who cares hey you move forward but getting to watch your mom just soak it in and not know how to hand she's sweating and tearing up at the same time like it's like i'm i mean it's just a type of joy that you can't uh that you just can't i've never really felt before but there's something about making people laugh through my mom who basically raised me like a single mom and uh you know it's just amazing it's a special time it's pretty cool man yeah you said you went to Catholic school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because the neighborhood that I grew up in was so bad that uh, that I had to go to the Catholic school. Mm. It's like there was just, it's hard to describe, but back then it was, um, you know, the murder capital of the world uh, per capita. So basically it's the most dangerous neighborhood. It just doesn't have as many murders as Detroit, but Detroit has, you know, millions of people. We had like four. 50,000 people and a murder per day, the average. So it was a very, very... Is it Irish Catholic or is it just... Um, it's it, Youngstown is, uh, at the time that I was growing up there, it was probably like a 70, 80% black, 10% Irish, 10% Italian. Wow. Yeah. Maybe a little more Italian. 
but my neighborhood was the neighborhood that I grew up in specifically was almost all black. Was there? Did you have black kids going to your school? Yep. Oh yeah. Any any black kid that could went there. Yeah. But the other school, the public school, was all black mm-hmm. and like you know like r- really ratty, like the the the, the like the ratty families that look like you know like. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I'm like, what? There was the Hoovers, the the Farkases, you know what I mean? I mean, like, well, not the Farkases. Yeah, anyway. But, like, there was, like, these dirty families. I don't know if you've ever seen them before. Like, white kids covered in dirt. I remember, dude, there's this one uh, family that we (laughs) went with, that my brother was friends with, where uh, he, uh, my mom dropped him off, and uh, he starts to pull up the the garage door like the one of those sliding garage doors like to get inside like that's how he's getting inside <laughs> of his house that's like yeah yeah where i grew up that's like common yeah and and he's like <laughs> he's like lifting it and and my mom's like sweetie help me he's like no okay so oh i see a lot of boxes like we're talking boxes crap everywhere he's like oh did you guys just move in he goes no we've always lived here <laughs> Oh my god! It was like that was one of those like dirt people kids. That's well, I mean, yeah, it's what it was. Where Mm -hmm. I grew up, that's what I thought life was like everywhere. I thought, yeah, houses got arson down all the time. Like that was just a common thing. It just happened. If you look at where I grew up now on Google Maps, there's it's still there somehow. Crazy enough, the Hinchcliffe house is still there. And you just see around it, you just see the plots. You can tell where the houses used to be. It's like a graveyard, how you can sort of see like, oh, that's, you could see the- It's like the outline of- Change in the grass. Yeah. Yeah, You can see it. And uh, it's like a graveyard of what used to exist there. So it's crazy. Dude, I think think one of your old teachers from your Catholic school is actually (laughs) calling in right now. Oh, really? Well, let's take the call. Okay. I'm excited to see how this goes. Uh, Hello? Um- Sister, I, I can't really read what it says on the clarity. Hello? Hello, is, is, this, is this Tony Hinchcliffe? Uh, yes, it is. Hello? This is Sister Eleanor. Oh, hi, Sister Eleanor. Wow, it's been a long time. It's been a really long time. Yes, I, I wanted to call you and clear the air about something, Tony. Oh, okay. Well, feel free, Sister. Go ahead. I've been upset to this day. Of how you used to talk about me behind my back. Oh, yeah? Do you remember some of the insults you used to slew me away? Yes, indeed. I, I used to make fun of you a lot. Uh, you know, i call you an old bag and a, uh, a liar and a trickster. The trickster hurt the most. <laughs> the others were commonplace. <laughs> but how dare, how dare you call me a trickster whenever I'm a lover of God? <laughs> You know, I'm really sorry. Looking back on it, it's it was probably a little bit too much. It was too much. <laughs> I was just a plain woman. I couldn't put makeup on my face. I couldn't couldn't make myself look more pretty for you, and yet you're calling me some trickster like I'm some kind of floozy out on the street selling my body. Sister, I'm I'm really, really sorry. Praise be to Jesus. Well, we're getting back on the right foot at least right now. Do you have anything else you want to say to me before me goes? I I, I want to thank you and uh, all my teachers for uh, 
telling me that being mean to people was never going to get me anywhere. Yes, I remember that very specifically. I'd, I'd pull you to the side of the classroom and I'd say, Tony, Anthony. Yes. Do not be mean to other children. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. You're not going to be able to make money at this. It's true. This is not a career field for you. It's true. And sister, I just want to let you know that uh, I just signed on to write for my uh, seventh Comedy Central roast, and I drove a, uh, a brand new Corvette here today, you stupid bitch. What? Yeah, you stupid bitch trickster. A Corvette? <laughs> yes. 2019 Corvette, you silly fuck. I don't even care you're calling me a bitch trickster. You got a Corvette? <laughs> yes. It's a Grand Touring Sport V8 8-speed. I've always wanted one of those. <laughs> Did you start worshipping the devil? Did you sell your soul to the devil? <clears throat> what happened, Anthony? What happened? No, I didn't sell my soul, but I did put it down as a down payment for the 2019 <laughs> Corvette that I got. Well, Tony, yeah, I'm glad you at least apologized a little bit. I've been thinking and stewing on this for the past 20 years, mm. but I guess best of luck to you and your roast persona. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Trickster. It's good to hear from you again. Sister Eleanor, but all right, goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. That was crazy. That was a real blast from the past, wasn't it? I haven't I haven't talked to any of my old teachers in a long time. Yeah, man. Have been, has anybody anybody from Ohio ever hit you up out of the blue like you'll get a random email or a Facebook message and you're like, "Who? What?" You know, not really. I got off Facebook last year. Um do you do you feel good about that? I it's the greatest thing I've ever done. Can I tell you something great? The greatest part? Mm. I just had my first birthday pass that in which I was off Facebook. <clears throat> and I got like eight phone calls. My two brothers, my two sisters, my mom, my dad in a shocking turn of events called me on my birthday, not the day after or whatever, or whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, a couple of my best friends. And it was amazing because I'm so used to getting these ridiculous it's just so so dumb what happens now on birthdays we're like it's like i know now i now i I knew that they were seeing it on facebook and now it's been confirmed you know these doofballs that i i I guess they must wake up every day and look at facebook and go who whose birthday is it today whose ass can i kiss today it's like what get out of here what does happy birthday mean? Because let me promise you something. If you're telling happy birthday to anybody that is like important or whatever, they're getting better messages than, than yours anyway. How about that? Get it together. <laughs> These losers. I, I felt bad because I was... Yeah, you're one of the Facebook birthday watchers, clearly, because I didn't hear anything from you for <laughs> six days. Dude, <laughs> I didn't... You're one of the losers that Facebook birthdays people. <laughs> I don't do it as much anymore. <laughs> oh, man. I just, you know, I, I see people. <laughs> I see people have birthdays and, you know, if I have the time, you know, I'll, I'll throw them a happy birthday. I literally noticed you specifically, by the way. I'm like, oh, that's funny. I noticed. Because I have no context <laughs> right. now. It's not right. in my phone or anything. Yeah. Just switched. And that's right, man. I I had no I I felt literally felt bad whenever I found out it was your birthday and uh you know the only thing I could do is I I bought Tony a birthday crepe whenever we were in Portland together. That's right. That's right. That's what I get. $6 crepe. 
big spender over here. <laughs> Took him on the Monster Energy Outbreak Tour. Gave him a uh, an opportunity to be a, uh, to flex his vessel on Kill Tony. <laughs> Put him right in position to have a gigantic fan base to perhaps you know one day start his own big podcast. Get twenty at least twenty five episodes into that. And what do I get? A a, a crepe. Yeah. But how good, how good was that crepe, though? <laughs> it was an amazing okay, crepe. Okay, man. I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Okay, heck yeah. I mean, I saw someone at a meet and greet just give you a stack of cash <laughs> right before that. Literally, like, thank you for all the free content that you provide. He hands Jeremiah a stack of cash. A stack. I mean, I'm not going to say anywhere near the exact amount, but you need to know that what I'm saying is not an exaggeration or a joke. He gave him probably as much money as he got paid that weekend for <laughs> working with me in one swoop. And I got a birthday crepe, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. Man. Oh, I'm sweating. I'm laughing so hard. Because <laughs> it's true. It's, it is true. Don't you watch me get a stack of money to the point where the guy goes hey uh don't bring this up on social media or anything like that because i don't want any shout outs or i know how you do it like don't do that i love that that it warms my heart it always surprises me that more people don't do that like you know donate or like just out of the kindness of their heart i'll tell you what portland was as far as like our stops like that we've made together one of the most generous cities I warned you about that. I mean, they're just the best, one of the best comedy towns in the country. It was, but it also, Tony was making fun of me because we did these shows in Portland all weekend where uh, I would take my sling off to go perform and do my stand up sets on stage. Oh my God. But whenever we would do the meet and greets afterwards, I would have the sling on because my doctor said, like, don't let anybody touch your arm while it's healing. Like, you don't you can't shake hands don't be doing any of that kind of stuff and tony took it as as that i was trying to get more money for for donations oh yeah where's your donations only sign where's that sad (laughs) that sad scrap of paper one of the saddest pieces of paper i've ever seen i've been handed notes in which it's like you know like old game of thrones like your grandfather has passed but meanwhile i've never seen a sadder piece of paper than a donations donations please smiley face like oh my god never seen a smiley face make me want to cry for someone and it was written with my non-dominant hand so the the handwriting isn't that good either so tony was just making fun of me on every level and i was like crying laughing and the bag he's like ah you making more money this weekend because of your arm? Because it looks like it, it appeared from the audience's perspective that uh, Jeremiah put his arm in a sling in order to uh, sell more uh, inflatable saxophones. I told him he should do it forever from now on. He I said that he should be my thing is is do the shows normally, but then be just in a sling during the meeting. It takes <laughs> nothing. You slide it right into a backpack pocket, take it with you to the venue, throw it on after the show. Got us on the plane a little. Your arm may be broke, but you will never be again. There it is. Get some money. There it is. That's right. Right. With your arm behind your back. You told me um, one story that I want you to share that we were just, while we were actually um, eating uh, eating pizza. Actually, let's get into this next segment: pizza party. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. Pizza, 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 time for pizza party. 
So we just enjoyed some pizza from Joe's. Delicious and Joe's pizza. Nothing, nothing goes better with a powerful uh, coffee that I like to drink in the mornings than it, than a slice of pizza. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you shared a a story while we we're while we we're eating our pizza actually that I want you to actually share on this podcast because it was making it was very enjoyable uh, and it was back in your school days. Was Do this... you remember what made me start that story though? Oh, I remember. Okay, yes, because we were talking about uh, about the. Uh, faking an injury in order to uh not face embarrassment and it reminded me of um my freshman year of high school um i joined the track team for the first time ever and was this a catholic school or is this yeah oh yeah and uh i did I, i joined track in order to increase my endurance for the upcoming wrestling season so I'm like, great, I'll run track, it's after school, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And um, I get assigned to the 1600, which it turns out is four laps around the track. But this is my first time running track. You know, all the other people that run track, they've been running track, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Anyway, I'm so excited about it. My mom and my sister are there to watch me run track for the first time. Everybody, I'm watching the 100 and the 200 and the 400. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. You know, people are running. This is great. Coming up, 1600. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush this. You know, my mind has always been like, you know, you, you know, use your confidence to crush, and the rest will fall into place, right? And so th- that gun goes off, and I just, and I just go guns a blazing. I mean, I am sprinting, just like I saw people do in the 100, the 200, the 400. I'm just gone, and I'm smoking these people. I'm like, look at all these idiots behind me. On the first turn, I'm just like, oh, what a bunch of losers. And I come around that first lap. I'm so far out front. I'm like a quarter of the track out front. My mom and my sister in the stands, like leaning up against the fence type of thing, and they're just going crazy. Woo! I'm just, I'm just starting to feel it a little bit though. You know what I mean? I'm coming on that first, you know, the first turn on the second lap and I'm starting to, starting to lose a step. I'm starting to get sort of tired. I'm like, oh, it's okay. I only have two more times and three quarters <laughs> around this track. <laughs> just the math is just completely off right. on all of this. Yeah. Well, no, I had two and three quarters because I'm one and one quarter through. No, like your math um, for like how fast you should go. Oh, right. Oh, and, oh my God. And pacing. And, and while I'm like two and three quarters left, we can do this. Just maintain. All of a sudden, I see one guy pass me up, right? And then all of a sudden, another guy passes me up and another guy passes me up. I come up to the line on lap two with two more laps to go. I'm in like sixth place now all of a sudden. My mom and my sister are still going crazy like, woo, come on, you got it you got it like it's more supportive the howling now i mean i'm basically done at this point i'm so gassed it's ridiculous i can't feel my legs but they're moving and uh i think about faking a knee injury literally like oh all i have to do is grab my knee and like fall into the grass it'll be perfect but i just kept going i didn't end up doing that i come around on the third lap i'm so far in last place i mean i am so far behind everybody this this egotistical dork that went guns a-blazing from the get. Probably everybody 
in anywhere near the the track just like look at that idiot i mean that's ever done track before they're probably like wow what a moron look at him from the beginning meanwhile i'm like ooh, yeah meanwhile your mom and your sister at the very beginning are like he's so talented he's right. so fast yeah. that first lap i came back i came around on the fourth lap they're they're gone they're in the car already <laughs> they're the no cars longer, are running they're no longer like, tony get out of here you embarrassment no, i'm kidding they weren't like that but I didn't quit, even though I really wanted to. I really pictured like, oh my god, I have to, I have to, I have to. But I didn't, which is, I mean, whatever. Have you always been that guy who's been like, hundred percent confident always? Mind over matter. Yeah, dude. Gotta, gotta do it. Yeah. I'm taking it with us to Skank Fest in this basketball game. I'm taking it. Uh, you know, it's the thing. It's it's all I've ever had is the incredible insecurity of uh, you know. Having a dad that, uh, you know, wasn't around, but was around, but wasn't around my life. You know what I mean? It's just an incredible psychological placement and condition. A cool, free-spirited mom with a lot of wisdom. You know, I don't know how exactly I ended up like this, but that's definitely, you know, my standout sort of quality is, um, you know, a ridiculous amount of confidence. Perhaps unnecessary, unearned confidence, but uh, hey... Corvette, baby. <laughs> you, you're, is your dad like an OG Italian? He's as OG as it gets. I mean, a wife beater underneath a jogging suit with the gold chain. I mean, OG, OG, though, because he's not like, hey, he's, he's the like guy. He's, Olive Garden. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, he's, he's like the boss level. So he's like, uh, you know, he's very much like Tony Soprano, very much like uh, like the main guy, Chaz Palminteri in A Bronx Tale, very much the, you know, he's boss, boss level. Like it's like, uh, I you know, watching The Sopranos is sometimes sort of crazy for me and like it was hard but exciting for me because it was very much a lot of stuff that reminded me of my dad and my life and the things that sort of uh even though he didn't live with me and my mom it was just very like you know relatable he was always closer with my older brothers and sisters and he wasn't even their dad but he was around the house more before I was born and uh they can't even watch a Bronx Tale directed by Robert De Niro it's an amazing movie because uh, it's too hard for them wow. to watch. He gets, I don't want to give anything away, but let's just say it wouldn't, you know, it just makes them sad because it scared them for what could have happened to my dad. But he survived. Another survivor. He didn't quit. He didn't fake the knee injury and fall into the grass on the third <laughs> lap of uh, the 1600. Uh, this might be a little bit crazy, but I, I think your dad might be calling into the <laughs> oh, podcast. <God>. Jesus. <laughs> well, that's funny. I, I usually only get one phone call a year from him, so this will be fun. This will be a treat. I, I think he's uh, calling in. Is this um is this uh, Tony's father who's calling in right now? Hey, uh, hello there. What's up, Tony? How's it going, bud? How are you? Oh my God, Dad! I can't believe you got the number to Jeremiah Wonders. Well, I didn't know the reach of this podcast, but uh, it makes me feel good every time that people know how to call in. I'm a big fan of uh, Jeremiah. He, uh, I like the stupid shit, you know. I like uh, dumb characters and like stupid, silly shit. I've never been one for the cerebral humor, Tony. I don't like the evil, the edge. I don't know why you do that. I don't really. I never really got it. You should be funny and silly. Like Jeremiah, like Jerry Lewis, like Dean Martin, like the greats. This 
malarkey you do trying to push the edge, talking about school shootings and who died. It's stupid. Jeez, Dad, I never really knew that you felt this way. Wow, and I never knew that you were a fan of mine. Thank you so much. Always have been, Jeremiah. Always will be. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd get, I'd take you to the barber, get you a good trim, good haircut, get rid of that uh, girly shit. What what kind of haircut would you would would you uh, advise me to get? Shave it down, shave it down all the way. Be a man, be a real man. What is that? I bang chicks with uh, shorter hair than you. Really? All the time. <laughs> uh, do you fix them uh, an Italian dish after you're done? Because yeah. you because you own uh, like an Italian restaurant. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I do in Youngstown, Ohio. After I give them the sausage and meatballs. I give him a little, little uh, prosciutto. Linguini sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I shoot Alfredo sauce all over their lower back. A little cannelloni for their bologna. Dad, what you're talking about is out of control here today. <laughs> I cannot believe this. My, I mean, I am shocked. The star power that you're able to uh, draw to this show. So was was there a reason uh, that, that you called in other than to tell Tony that you don't like his comedy and that you like my comedy? You know, one thing I always uh, noticed is that every time Tony and I talk on the phone, at the end of every phone call, it's always cracked me up. He always goes, uh, all right, cool, Dad. I, I love you. <laughs> and I always hang up the phone, right? Because I'm no softy like him. He was raised, he was raised by his white trash mother. Let's face it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just wanted to take a chance to finally get to tell my son that I like him. <laughs> wow! Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Hell yeah! That's so cool. <laughs> it was great to hear from you. I love you. All right. Bye. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's a fun fact. Is like I literally do it just to entertain me now. But every time I talk to my dad at the end of the phone, I always go, "Hey man, all right, love you." He's like, uh, "All right, all right." <laughs> I just love it. It's so it's so great. I thought. That- and by the way, that's how you end up like this, running off of confidence. It's from li- probably literally at the age of thirty four. My dad still hasn't told me that he loves me. <laughs> It's always like the craziest stuff. Like, oh, you got married? Uh, I guess that's good. Do you like her? Like, oh, Jesus, Dad. <laughs> Do you have anything uh, you want to say to Tony? Maybe three words? I like him. Okay, let, let's sound it out, okay? Yeah. I. I. Love. Oh, sorry. We just ran out of time. Uh, <laughs> like he said it again. I was thinking. I was thinking he was gonna call, and uh, he was like, "I'm finally gonna say it." I love. <laughs> 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 like a modem connection comes in or something. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. That's how you become one of the top young rising comedians in the world. I Push guess. you to the top, my friend. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think it does help. You got to have somewhat of a weird childhood. I don't know who the most uh, successful person that I know is with two fully operational American Pie parents. Um, the closest thing I could probably imagine is some of the guys that have very successful dads 
that are trying to outdo their dads, uh, if that yeah. makes sense. Sure. We know a few of those, but uh, really everybody else is fucked up. Like, uh, fucked up. And I think the more fucked up, <laughs> the sort of better they got. They don't really talk about it a lot, but then you find out, and you're like, okay, I fucking, I get it now. It's a weird, weird correlation. So I always contribute, I, I attribute all those things, the bad neighborhood, the crazy mom, the dad sort of being distant, but around, but distant. I, you know, it's a whole part of uh, definitely my makeup, for sure. Yeah, your your superhero origin story, dude. I want to uh, do a uh, a new segment that we've never done on the show, and uh, we are going to explore um, how I broke my arm. Oh God, thank you, Jesus, for um, everything that is. Oh my God, yes. Um, are we gonna watch the video? We're gonna watch the video. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled about this right now jeremiah i i posted this on your um when you posted the instagram video of this i posted something that i never post which is the words like this is hilarious or whatever like i've watched this video i watched this video so many times oh my god look at the look on your face just to even start it looks like you're already crying by the way, so if you have no context for us, if you're tuning in late, a couple weeks ago I broke my arm skateboarding. Uh, my friend David, which he shouldn't be doing. Let me tell you something. When you're at Jeremiah's level of work and performance and being a necessity, let me let me let me tell you. I think I'm really being direct with you about this for the first time, right? I've never really said you shouldn't be doing that, but I've sort of like hinted. You maybe you felt it a little bit, like, huh? You gonna, when are you gonna start skateboarding again? Like I've sort of, yeah, I've been very aware of my. He's asked that question a few times. Yeah, because this is moronic. You're not a skateboarder. <laughs> you don't look like a skateboarder. You have the, you might have the hair, maybe, of like some like young skateboarder. Or something. Oh wait, this doesn't look like a skateboarder. <laughs> no, it doesn't. For you podcast <laughs> listeners, he has a gigantic helmet, a gigantic helmet, not like some little helmet. It looks like he's one of the stormtroopers, but like a different version. He has elbow pads, uh, wrist pads. He's covered in pads, probably a maxi pad that we can't see in the pants. And knee pads. You do have knee pads? Those are it? knee pads. Oh my God. You are a dork. You are a dork sir you didn't even belong there this is you're fitting in at the skate park like i fit in running the 1600 uh track race that i ran look at you i mean it's just embarrassing and then you're hanging out with guys that do skateboard right you're hanging out with david deary like a like a yeah, like joel jimenez joel jimenez a guy that worked Pat at Reagan, a skate used park to skate, yeah Joel worked at a skate park for what, like a decade or something crazy? A long time. And you're hanging out with these people for some reason. Of all the physical activity you could be doing, like real cardio, which let's just say wouldn't hurt. But no, you want to roll oh, around on a board. You want to surf the earth. What a dork. Did <laughs> you think what? You think it's hard or something? Yeah, it's super hard when you're covered in pads. This is embarrassing. This is one, <laughs> this is one of the most embarrassing things. And the video hasn't even started yet. This is just you. Well, let's cut to the video. This is amazing. Can I do some play-by-play on this? <laughs> I, I mean, know how you feel. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't know how you feel. Joel God, does... it looks smooth, though. <laughs> yeah, it looks super smooth, just like you. You're in a good spot. Yeah, you're in a super good spot, Jeremiah. I mean, for those of you listening, can we pause it for just a second? For those of you listening, <laughs> Jeremiah has the board hanging off the edge. 
He has, remember, what, what have we talked about here today? Confidence. Let me tell you something. <laughs> there is zero confidence going on here. You look like a guy that's already written his suicide note. That's that's already taken care of his business. He wrote out a will. Like, this is it. You're on the Golden Gate Bridge. That's what people do. Yeah. No, you're about to jump. This is what people do right before they jump at the end of their lives. They're like, I already made the decision. I'm going to do it. So I just have to do it. He's clapping his hands, like, just looking up and down. You have zero confidence. That's true. I had zero confidence. I I psyched myself out. And you say the words. This is one of my favorite lines of the whole thing. Because we've heard Joel so far, but here we here's the line. Let's freaking do this. <laughs> That's what he says. That's what I said to myself. Oh, yeah. To nobody. I just said it to myself. It was like under my breath. Like, yeah. But you can, you can, I mean, okay, let's, let's keep it going. I, I love this. Oh, my God. This is my favorite thing I've ever done in any <laughs> podcast ever. Out of every JRE, out of everything. This is my favorite thing <laughs> right here. This is amazing. Oh, oh, oh what am I going to do? Oh. Oh my god. 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 Yeah, I don't. Oh, all pads, baby. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Oh my god. It looks like you straight down on the arm. For those of you listening to the podcast, there's no trick. There's no nothing. He falls like a buffoon. Like like a person who's never done anything before, not to mention skateboarding. Tony, do you know how many people have asked me, was that your first time skateboarding? Yeah, it looks like it. I had just dropped in. Okay, do you see this over here? Yeah. I had just dropped in four or five other times on this coping right there, yeah. just to the left of where I was. So what was different? It was a little bit higher and I psyched myself out. Wow. And it was a little bit steeper. So I just literally, it was a mental game. I love where you pause this because you could see that your helmet came over your eyes and like sort of your face at this part. It's yeah. A, it's adorable. Just what a dork. There's really no other way to describe and it. And you see all the weight is on where I broke it underneath. Yeah. It's folded up underneath. Oh my God. I mean, this is one of the greatest things ever. I can't believe you're actually going to skateboard again. Knee pads elbow pads, wrist pads, helmet. I, I that's just I've never seen what what else are you wearing a condom? Like <laughs> j- how much protection do you need to hey go man, skateboarding? I wanted to be safe cuz I'm a comedian. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Yeah, right. You're supposed to be a responsible performer and here you are breaking your arm. By the way, we almost missed our flight to Portland on Friday cuz because it, of my arm. Because this guy can't pack his bags which Oh my God, you pack so much stuff. I had, how many times do I have to tell Tony? He's like, dude, you pack so much stuff. And then I'm like, for Kill Tony in Portland, I'm literally bringing another person with me. There's a character that's living inside of the bag. It was very impressive. And I had a lot of merch that I had to uh, bring too. So uh. (laughs) we had to check a bag of inflatable saxophones. (laughs) Oh. You got it, it looks smooth. (laughs) (laughs) that's the look right after he said that i'm like you really think oh my god look at the extra strap of chin strap that hangs from your chin on this it's very impressive dude i've never seen anybody wear a world war ii helmet skateboarding (laughs) before 
I mean, look at you. This looks like this looks like some horrible, horrible low production reenactment. Why are you wearing a bowling ball on top of your head, by the way? Why are there three finger prongs right there? I have no idea. It's a half a bowling ball. Air pockets, pretty much. My God. I mean, what a cheap-looking helmet. It seems like... No, that's the, top of the line. It is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's top Wait, of the line. Wait, are you saying top of the line like no, uh, like, like, like the way you think like a crepe is a good birthday <laughs> gift for someone like me? Like top of the line, $6. Bringing it back. <sighs> yeah, I, man. It's unbelievable. This thing... I mean, look at you. You look like you're crying there. You do see that face, right? What yeah. are you thinking there? What do you think you're thinking? Oh, no. I don't know why you do this. Why no. would you do that to yourself? What's fun about that? The excitement you well, think? Well, no, because I had just done it three or four other times before, yeah. and you get a huge adrenaline rush. I was right. chasing a rush. Right. And I got, I literally got two inside my head, and mm. I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. But I had just felt the sensation multiple times, and, they, and I and you went did, back one more time let me than guess, I should have. Let me guess. You didn't film the other ones, though, right? Or you did? 100% right. Right before I did this, David Deary goes, hold on, dude, let me film this real quick. Oh, my God. And then God. There's, a, there's another minute of a video that I haven't posted of him being like, it's your first big drop-in, baby. Oh, my <laughs> God. I love it. Yeah. The camera went on at the perfect time. Pretty much, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. You're gonna have to watch the uh, the video. This is a very visual episode of Jeremiah Wonders, guys. But um, and it's you know it's it's one of those things to where I don't talk about this much, but I've always since I started stand up, <clears throat> I've always been obsessed with being. You know, I think in order to do comedy, you sort of have to be. Uh, you have to feel good. You have to sort of be comfortable. You know, and I've purposefully avoided a lot of my best friends play basketball two days a week. Oh, yeah. And Wednesdays and Saturdays. I love basketball. I've always played my entire life, but I stopped playing with other humans once I started comedy because I know that I drive right down people's throats with two big steps at the end. And I already have a better career than most of my friends and most of the people that play career the rinky-dink basketball. <laughs> right. No, l- hear me out. And I'm listening. You combine the fact that I have a career that's better than these people with the fact that I just am laying up shit in front of their face and then popping back a three-pointer. And I'm, I'm, I fuck up their heads because they're like, oh, I thought I thought. I thought maybe I'd be better at this since he has that because this is how stupid people's brains work. Oh, I thought maybe that this was what I'm better at him than. Nope. Wrong. So they get mad and what happens? You know what happens. They start throwing elbows. They're, they're boxing out sloppy or whatever. So I have to avoid all these things at all cost is my point. Like, you know, I, I, I want to play, but I, I know that I'll get hurt. So it's funny for me to see someone like you just, oh, you know what? I'm going to start skateboarding. That's what I'm going to do. All pads, dude. <laughs> but I've been skating for a while. Oh, really? How, yeah. how long has it been? Mm, well, I just gotten back into it, and I just went in a little bit too hard. I'd been skating for like three months consistently again, and it had been a, it'd been a long time. But I used to skate like in high school. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. By, by this video oh, and, no, how many, and how many pads you wear, I just always assumed that. I was that, trying to uh, be a safe. I was trying I was trying to take the precautions of a comedian who was skateboarding, and it just it blew up in my face. You know, <clears throat> and another fun fact is my bet is that you're not wearing that wrist pad. You don't break your arm. That's what a lot of people who skate a lot, they said if you weren't wearing pads, you would not have broken your right. arm. A and B, if you landed on the pad correctly, you wouldn't have broken your arm. But you wanted to stop yourself from falling so badly that you just extend that right arm out. It was That's instinct. when it happened. It was oh, instinct. No. Oh, totally. Oh, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You learn that in wrestling pretty much real quick because it's like you got to just take a bump sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's so funny to me, though. All those pads. You could have had every pad in the world. You could have been covered in foam like the Michelin Man. And Still I Still would have broken it. Oh, yeah. Totally. You were destined. The look on your face says, I'm about to break my arm. It's great, though. What my, Literally one of my favorite comedy videos of all time. Thank you. You're welcome. Jeremiah Skateboard Fall. Yep. How to Break Your Arm. And I, uh, I just happened to pull up uh, killtony.tv. Ooh, one of my Ooh. favorite, uh, one of my favorite websites. Got everything here. Yep, got all the episodes. There's nothing too flashy, but it gets the job done. You know what I mean? Yep. Look yeah. at all these great names on there. Ke- oh, Steve so Lemmy and Kevin Heffernan. The weekend that Super Troopers Two came out. You know how big of a get that was for me. I am one of I. Uh, Super Troopers One was one of the first movies that uh, I got to show. My friends, my I think it was my freshman year of high school, and uh, we smoked a little bit of pot, watched Super Troopers, and they were laid out. Because I went and saw it in the theater, and um, and I remember buying the DVD the day it came out. Like I knew the day that the DVD was coming out. I had planned to have my buddies over. We're gonna, I'm gonna get them a little bit stoned, just a little bit, and we're gonna watch Super Troopers, and they were dying. And I remember that feeling. It was it was one of those times where I'm like, man, it feels so good to make my friends laugh. It oh yeah, feels so good. And I remember specifically Super Troopers with that on that day. That was one of those moments yeah. where you're like, wow, yeah. this is powerful. Yeah, I mean, the feeling that it gave me of just looking around and watching them laugh. I was barely even watching the movie. It was the it was just incredible, very eye opening uh, moment of how weirdly good it made me feel to watch people laugh or have anything to do with um, that happening. Let's get into this next segment, Fanning Out. Okay. Fanning Out. Questions from fans. Oh, we have questions? Ooh, I like this. I remember this from episode one. Yeah, man. This is fun. Is this where you uh, read questions from people on social media, right? I reached out to people on Instagram and Twitter and asked them if they could ask Tony Hinchcliffe any question. What okay. would it be? How many questions are you about to ask me? How many times are you about to ask me if I'm gay? No, I filtered all that out. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Because the answer is super gay. What? This yeah. marriage is secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Connor underscore Mahoney, what was your worst bomb on stage? It was a Super Bowl Sunday, probably either 2009, 2010. Um, I was excited to do my employee spot uh, at the comedy store on a Sunday. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and there was literally nobody there. And uh, there was just comedians in the back. And I was just so... I, I, I was just so pissed and mad that I literally laid down on the uh, on the banister part 
of uh, like the tabletops. I, yeah, he just yeah. laid down and um, literally just like talked about how I may have made like a bad decision in my life and like whoa, yeah, like a little how, bit of a meltdown. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. But the catch with that was, was like the talent coordinator. That's one of the times where the talent coordinator at the time, Tommy fell in love with me because I just let it all out. It was like an artistic performance to him. Meanwhile, you know, and it's true. I started getting laughs towards the end, but again, it's all comedians and the whole front end was a meltdown. So yeah, that's one of the ones that stands out to me. Also, um, I will never again perform in Albany, New York for life. Oh, you told me about this club for life. I will never perform in Albany, New York. Not even about the club. Doesn't matter where my career goes, what happens, how it doesn't matter if I become Kevin Hart. If anything, I will never, ever, 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 no matter the amount of money, no matter who else is there. Oh, it's a festival. Oh, did you hear? Oh, Rogan invited all of his friends to a big comedy festival in Albany. He's paying them $10 million each. I'm not going. I will not do it. There's nothing Albany, New York can get do to get me back there. Tony, what happened in Albany, New York? People that think it's okay to live in Albany, New York. That's what happened in Albany, New York. The audience is a bunch of idiots. It's better 10 miles north in Toronto. It's better... 10 miles south anywhere else it's it's like it's like being stuck in a shopping mall but it's a city There's dude a- you'll never guess this but uh one of the audience members from one of your shows in albany new york is calling in right now really oh man this thing's qu- this epic- hey is this uh to- tony heathcliff <laughs> yes hello hey uh yeah i saw your little show and uh yeah it wasn't uh wasn't too impressed mm. uh I know it was a while ago, but uh, can I get a refund? <laughs> I mean, these people probably did ask for a refund. It was such a gar. I mean, I can't even begin. One what of the we call garbage, huh? One of the first things that happened was is I wanted to bring a feature with me on this gig, and the owner of the club said, um, "It's not in the budget. It's not a thing you can do for this one. You can't do it." I get there. By the way, it's on the third floor of a shopping mall. Already my least favorite thing. I love that shopping mall. (laughs) Of course you do. The escalator to on that side of the comedy where the comedy club is. So to get there, all the escalators are broken. So it's extra, extra dead. So the only people there are people that like had to find it. You had to find this wing of this like closed down (laughs) shopping mall. And... It was like, oh, so I get there, and in the green room, as I, when I walk in, there's a there's a kid sitting there that looks like me, like he looks like me, and I'm like, hey man, how's it going? And he goes, hey man, good. How are you? I'm like, he sounds like me. <laughs> what what is this? I'm like, I'm Tony. Nice to meet you. He's like, ba ba ba. Nice to meet you, man. You know, my my name's Ryan or whatever it was. And I go, that's cool. Uh, how long have you been doing stand up? Um, uh, six years. I'm like, wow, six years. That's cool. All here in Albany? He's like, no, the owner of the club flew me in from Chicago for this. What the frick? I go, he flew you in? He goes, yeah, he does that sometimes. I go, and he put you up? Yeah. At a hotel? Yeah. (laughs) And he's paying you for this? Yeah. Why? Is that weird? I'm like, nah, it's not weird. You know, I put it behind me. I, uh... 
you know, back then I'm, I go outside. Now that kid was good. I really <laughs> like that guy. I go that out, first guy. The host opener guy or whatever, uh, I, I catch the beginning of his set. He's just hacky and it's killing in this crowd. That's always a bad sign. Horrible when, sign. When, anytime... Uh, somebody goes on before you and it's like hacky stuff or like super easy and it's just destroying you're like "Uh oh i might have my work cut out for me tonight yeah it's a bad sign normally a hot crowd before you is what you want if somebody's doing it lighting it up you got real comedy fans but if they're cracking up it's slow pace bad i mean bad 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 type of hacky uh it's never a good sign no big deal. I go outside, smoke a little pot. Back then I was smoking cigarettes. I had a cigarette. I'm like, that's oh, okay. Everything's fine. I'll plow through this. It's, oh, it's also a Thursday night gig with an entire weekend to go. <sighs> right? So it's like, oh, God, I'm at this club. It's broken. They flew out this feature for some reason that looks like me and sounds like me. I go back in. And I, as I walk to the green room, I catch some of the feature that's on stage. He's talking about literally things He's grazing over subjects that I was about to cover, but not getting into the subjects. He's using like the subjects as a punchline, if this makes sense at all. Right. And uh, then just moving on. But he sounds like me. He looks like me. He's grazing over things that I talk about. And um, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's sort of like, you and know. What you didn't know while you're outside smoking is he open with. Hello, my name's Ryan. I'm one of the top <laughs> young rising comedians in the world. Right. And like it's like he literally is like, you know, a lot of people think I look gay, but I... Uh, I no, uh, all yeah. that stuff. Oh, I mean, it was... Un- I'm literally standing in the back like, am I living a nightmare? So he closes out after 20 minutes or whatever. I'm stuck in this fucking city by myself. At least I'm about to get to do what I love. He gets me... I remember it being like a half-ass intro, like he sort of botched it. No big deal. It happens all the time, right? Tony Henchcliffe, you know, like sort of like sort of mispronounced, you know, no big deal. But as, I'm, as I start to walk to the stage, all out of nowhere appears this guy who's walking alongside of me that goes, hit this, dude, hit this. It's a vape pen. I'm like, no, 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 it's work time for me. Thanks, buddy. He's like, no, 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 you got to hit, got to hit. I'm still just walking. He's walking alongside of me at the same speed, at the same pace. There's nobody, like, it's like the aisle way to the thing. No, 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 you got to hit, you got to hit. No, 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 no. So I'm like, literally like, no, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not, I, 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 it's cool that you want to smoke. I'm not smoking right now. I mean, I, he keeps walking. So now I'm up on the stage, but it turns out his seat is seat 1A, right down the middle, right in the front. Oh, man. So when I literally walk up there and I'm sort of like accepting applause, grabbing the mic out of the mic stand, he has made it to his seat in which he's now absorbing the light. He's turned around. So he's facing the same way as me, <laughs> facing the crowd. And the cr- I can see the crowd looking at him. Like and pointing and laughing, like ha ha ha! Isn't that funny? The guy that's not the thing is pretending like he's getting the applause, like it's his show. And I'm looking at this crowd already. I haven't even said a fucking word yet. I have not said good evening, hello, anything. And I'm looking at the crowd, and it's like one of those things where it's like slow motion, like God, God I'm making sure that everybody's an idiot. I'm making sure. You're double checking. I'm double checking. I'm looking at every face and scanning the room, Terminator style. And they're all idiots. Idiot, 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 idiot. Exactly. Just idiots. And and this guy starts yelling immediately, like, 
I go relax. He goes, all right, I'll relax. I go, you don't need to respond verbally. He's like, I won't respond verbally. I'm like, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. You, gone. You're out already. I don't even want to deal with this. You're you're done. The smoke thing, the, 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 you're, you respond. I just get out. And the crowd's sort of like, oh, oh man, why? Oh, I can feel like this grumbling of like, oh, who's this egomaniac? Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's like, you fucks live in Albany. All right? 30 minutes north, you're in Toronto, a beautiful, amazing city that Kill Tony's going to at the end of September. You go two hours south, you're in New York City, one of the greatest cities in the world. What, top three, top five in the world? And you live in Albany. You said that's good enough. You said that's where I want to stay. I'm going to stick it out here. This is where I'm going to stay. I'll start a family. That's whenever I started not liking you. (laughs) I bet it was. Uh, I started not liking you as soon as I got up there. You were one of the idiots, I'm sure. Man, we just thought you wanted to hit the vape pen before you went to the stage. (laughs) You know, it was a jewel, you know, tobacco flavored. There was no recovering from this, by the way. Once I kicked that guy no, out, that's a giant hole. Yeah, it's such a especially, and then you you doubled down by going in on how bad their city was. Oh, all the way. Yeah. No, I went all the way. I go. I've been here for a few hours, and this was one of the ones where I flew in that day. Um, uh, you know, it's not a thing like I, I'm used to flying in that day and performing, but this was it was it was it was as bad as it gets. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, and then the next day, by the way, I wake up with met from messages from my agent for the first time ever, and the only time ever in my entire career. Voicemails like, Tony, is everything okay? I got a call from the owner of the club. So it turns out on top of the audience, on top of the venue, on top of everything that was happening, the manager was a rookie manager that didn't kick the guy out right. They didn't do that right. They fucked this up. They fucked that up. And then the manager rats out on me like i'm out of control to the owner like it's like oh who's this guy it's like dude you fucking idiot i'm overqualified for your club you fucking twat anyway next question anyway uh i'm gonna bust through uh some of these a little bit quicker um <laughs> yeah I, uh, I think I'm going to have to go now. <laughs> I sat through, uh, you know, your entire show, um, and then I just sat through you recapping that entire thing. Um, hey, the people might want to know how bad it can get. Like, that's a that's a per- that's an example of a perfect storm. But uh, when is the next time you uh, come to Albany? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, I want to get some tickets for that. No chance in hell, but you can catch uh, the entire Kill Tony crew at Skankfest in New York City, an actual city. Oh, uh, that's like in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> yes, June uh, 14th and 15th. We're on the yeah, Sunday. July, yeah. It's certainly going to be sold out. We have the Legion of Skanks' guests at Skankfest. Okay, I'll come to that. Thank you. Uh, from Antho, from at Antho Nibar on Instagram, who would win in a fist fight in their primes, Undertaker or Hulk Hogan? The Undertaker. There's no doubt about it. That's a no-brainer. Undertaker is, I mean, Undertaker still wrestles. If that's not a sign, I mean, that's it's it's a, it's a no-brainer. It's the Undertaker, Mark Calloway. He still wrestles. Hulk Hogan's been retired for like 10, 15, 15 17, 18, 19 years, something crazy. Um, at WDL26, do you have any dream panel guests, dead or alive, for Kill Tony? 
I mean, 100%. All the dead people. How about that? Let's get that out there. I think that would be amazing. As far as living, um, yes. It was only a few weeks ago in which um, I got there on a Monday and I'm setting up and uh, one of the cool managers at the comedy store, Curtis, comes up to me and goes, you yeah, just want to let you know, uh, Chappelle just came in. He's walking around the OR. I go, yes, Dave Chappelle. Bah, 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 bah. And something in my gut, and I, you know, Dave and I know each other. We were just hanging out last night. I got to introduce yeah. him to my mom. He said how cool it is that my mom hangs out in such a crazy, you know, thuggish show. And I've known Dave for years. I've opened up for him a few times here in LA. And uh, I got the balls to ask him. It actually happened. And, but I had to find Josh for something real quick. Like there was something I had to do. And I'm like, all right, let's find Josh. But I couldn't find him, so I go to the back alleyway and this and that. I'm like, okay, now Dave. And I went and uh, I go to the back door. I go, you see Dave Chappelle? I had I had it ready. I knew that I was going to say it right. You know what I mean? The pitch. Yeah. You only get one shot, no pun intended, at something like that. And I knew that I had it right. You know, we're, hey, Dave, you know, we're about to – I do a show for years now where we get to watch new comedians or – you know, people giving it a shot. We get to watch them do stand up for 60 seconds and give them feedback and advice. And I think you'd really like it. You know what I mean? As a fan of comedy. And I think you would be a great guest. On yeah. If you, you want to hang out with us, there's an empty seat for you in the main room. Cause we had one guest booked that night. <clears throat> Who was it? Who was our last uh, one banger? It was uh, Kirk Fox or something like that. And uh, they go, Dave just left. So, you know, Dave is right there. He's right in my sights. We have uh, some other fun ones coming up. Um, you know, Justin Roiland. I got Bob Saget in the docket. Um, That'll be fun, man. Yeah, we have a lot of fun ones coming up. I'm, I'm, get, I'm very happy to say that I've booked a lot of the dream guests. Sometimes it doesn't go exactly how I want it to with our dream guests, with some of the biggest comedians in the world, because it's like they have to let go of their ego a little bit, and they have to play and share. There's a lot of things that go on there. There's a lot of sharing. On which Kill I Tony. know Dave would be great at. I know for a fact Dave's great at that. Some of the other guys, you know, I know for a fact they're not great at that. They need to maybe the type of guy that would do a podcast, you know, like rambling to just himself. <laughs> Go on, keep next question. Anywho, um, at Java Man two one seven, he's referring to uh, the Monster Energy Drink. Uh, Jeremiah and Tony, what was your best meal, and what city was it in? Mm, fuck that! Now that is a hard. Or the question. best time that we've had eating together? Because we we Tony and I Instagram uh, story or put it on our profile or whatever, like <laughs> a lot of the meals, and we a lot of meals together on the road in let a it be lot known. of different cities. Yeah, let it be known that the Monster Energy Outbreak Tour in August of last year was when we realized how much we have a true combined love for food. Oh, yeah. We both love food. And that it was during that tour in which we came up with the idea of the weight gain challenge. Yep. Um, you know, on plane rides and car rides, we're like, we should do a fucking reverse Segura Kreischer and gain weight because we love food. Why not turn it into a thing? <clears throat> God, excuse me. Um, and uh, I to, to put to put to to try to nail it down to one thing would be crazy. We had so many great meals. We shared uh, the world's largest hamburger. 
the Mammoth Burger in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We had a beet salad and steaks on the first stop of the tour. What was that one? It was, uh, damn, I can't remember. Yeah. But we had a lot of steaks. We had prime rib the other day in Portland. Is yeah. that Portland? Yep. Yep. Yeah. San Francisco, the, uh, the, uh, the clam chowder and, Oh uh, yeah. I took you to the fisherman's wharf for yeah. your first time where Jeff yeah. Ross once took me for my first time. And I took you to the same place that he took me. It's cool. You know, that's one of those things where it gets, you know, fun for me. I'm not saying I'm at Jeff Ross level, but it is cool to get to share, you know, and it's, it's cheesy as it sounds like it's fun to know that one day you're going to get to take somebody there and be like, oh, let's go here. I'll try the clam chowder and just watch their minds melt. It, just like showing my friends super troopers. I look at food the same way, like getting to watch someone's enjoyment when it really hits their face. Like, Oh my God, this is good. Like it's some some places around the country are just undeniable. Same thing with those, you know, the poutine place in Portland. Those yeah. food trucks. Portland's Cart- one of Cartopia. The, Portland's one of the best food cities in the country. No, 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 almost no contest. It's hard to be Portland. So I'll just say the city of Portland was some highlights. One of my favorite ones. Yeah, Madison, we, Wisconsin. The pizza, the mac and cheese pizza, and the mm. the different places there was really good. There's oh, dude, I mean. Uh, Lou Melnati's. Yeah, the way we ordered that on the way, the routing, yeah, like through Chicago. Yeah, oh we goodness. had to go through Chicago to get f- to uh, Detroit from uh, Indianapolis. Or yeah, something. and on the way to Detroit and after, we had Lou Melnati's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I had like I clogged up the toilet at the the Ferndale Magic Bag. Literally broke the toilet. I literally broke it while, like, right before I had to go out and open the show. And the guy at that club already didn't like you. This was the. (laughs) It doesn't matter. That That doesn't doesn't matter. matter. That doesn't matter. (laughs) Every once in a while, I clash. Uh, It's rare that I have clashes with people, but every once in a while, right away, somebody will be like, no, not this guy. And I'm just like, you're lost, buddy. Uh, at matt.inson on Instagram, what would your professional wrestler name be? Would it be the Golden Pony? No, I've, I've, I've been asked this before, and I, I would be the uh, the Billion Dollar Man. There used to be a wrestler called the Million Dollar Man, and uh, he would like shove $100 bills in his opponent's mouths after he beat him and shit. His whole thing was dollar signs and all this, but I think it's more applicable today than ever before. I think the best bad guy now is a rich guy. I think it's just, sure. you know, white one, rich guy. That's right. One percent like that type of thing. Granted, I, you know, I'm I'm I. Yeah, it's always yeah, I have no connection with that. But as a character to play to generate what we call heat, which is booze from the crowd, which is so important in professional wrestling. Uh, cause that's, you know, what drives the story. You want to see him get beat or if he wins, it's even crazier. Cause what, what would your, uh, your, your voice be for, uh, for, uh, the, the billion dollar man. I wonder what that would maybe sound like. I'm very curious. Well, let's just say that everybody's got a price. And everybody's going to pay. Buffalo Bill? <laughs> when did you become a wrestler? <clears throat> yeah, I'm the uh, billion dollar man, everybody. Tony, quit using your real voice. <laughs> I've said, what would your wrestler voice sound like? <clears throat> there is only one voice. 
Anyway, uh, the billion dollar man. That's what the billion dollar man would sound like. <laughs> well, you, you heard it here. Uh, if Tony was a professional wrestler, that's what he would sound like. <laughs> Take it from the top. Take it from the top. Um, at Real Redhead Comic, what was your f- what's your favorite character of the Kill Tony band? Oh my God! I mean, what happened on um, what happened on uh, what happened on Monday was probably my favorite thing ever, where you were just doing a compilation of everything. But if I had to, uh, if I if I had to narrow it down to um, to uh, to one, I'd have to probably go. I mean, to say Joe Rogan after seeing him for the first time seems disrespectful to feminist Stacy, to Shanks, to so many. I mean, god damn, Professor Snape on Sunday in Portland laid down the law. That was fun, man. He laid down the law. You know, I kept his, uh, I kept the wand. I still have it. I kept, oh, yeah? Yeah, I took it. I saw you had left it in the green room, right? You were going to leave it there? Yeah. It was a stick, right? Yeah, yeah. I kept it. It made it home to me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's hanging over my uh, little liquor cabinet right Hello. now. Yeah. Yeah, we do. What's funny about the five-year anniversary, so we did a compilation of characters, which, again, if you haven't watched that yet, watch it. Um, so for the show, um, we were we did the Kill Tony Band. So uh, Joel Jimenez played you, Tony Hinchcliffe. Pat Reagan played Red Band. And then Chroma Chris played uh josh martin and i played joe rogan and then we went into uh, the prisoners um which my character's name is shanks if you know anything about joe rogan if you've ever seen him do anything or ever listened to him do anything anything at all you have to watch the beginning of this episode of kill tony Uh, not trying to drive you there to listen to my show but you ha- it's one of my favorite things in all of the history of being a fan of comedy. You killed me so hard. It was crazy. You killed Joe so hard. It's crazy. Dom couldn't believe it. Everybody's in shambles. The room was insane. Everything you did, I've never seen... I've seen a lot of improvising in the last 11 years of hanging around comedy, but I've never seen anything on that level. Absolutely insanity. You were saying things... That I've heard him say the way he says it. And it's not even like you were saying things that I've heard him say, like that I've heard him say just the two of us, not like on stage or trademark things like you were you just hit it. You have to watch it again and then watch what Jeremiah does and watch Joe's face because Joe's waiting for you to flub it. Joe's waiting for you to be maybe go over the line or be disrespectful or say something he doesn't say, and he was going to nail you, of course, right? Of course, yeah, He's, which he has the right to. I'm freaking doing an impression of him. I'm in full bald cap. Hell and, yeah. But instead, you could feel the love, the respect, the... Well, that's the thing. that yeah. Whenever they say impressions are the highest form of flattery, this comes from me being obviously a fan of his and getting to know him over the years, and I've watched him his sets and his show and everything yeah so yeah it came from a place a place of love for sure yeah and the full commitment you know you looked like um a little bit (laughs) (laughs) whenever we're right next to each other i'm like oh this is scary looking (laughs) yeah you look scary you looked like uh you looked like um uh jim carrey at the end of man on the moon (laughs) that's hilarious you bald is a, a frightening thing oh yeah 
So we didn't even get to, uh, in that episode, we had on the docket for the rest of the show, we had to actually move up the Jolene and Trump because we are approaching the end of the episode, but we didn't do uh, the Westworld Cowboys. Uh, we didn't do uh, the Mechanics. Um, uh, we didn't do the Emo Kids. Jesus, you thought you were going to do all those? Oh, man, it worked out perfectly. It worked out, dude. yeah. Worked wow, out well. it worked out so perfectly. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't do that many changes because... Those characters that you didn't need to do. breathe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's I mean, what we felt. We felt in the moment we're like, oh, we gotta let these like. I never, ever, 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 never do I listen to or watch Kill Tony afterwards. I always go through. I spend the next two hours after the show ends in sort of an analytical uh, mindset, reflecting back on the things, thinking of changes and evolutionary things for the next episode, this and that, like a real crazy person, a weirdo. Well, during the two hours after the show, while meeting people that came there for that night and hanging out with friends and complimenting you and this and that, it's always a thunderstorm in my head. But I rewatched, uh, yesterday, Monday's episode, you know, to show my mom, you know, I'm holding the iPad out in front of us and she's just dying and this and that and there's a part where joe rogan says when feminist stacy is on he utters the words he goes that is my favorite character i've ever seen or that is my favorite character of all time he says those words is seeing stacy mind you for the very first time second time wait he saw stacy before the first oh, time i oh my ever God, that's did. right because he kept calling you daisy daisy yeah oh my god he was looking at me like like oh, I love that. I'm so glad he got to see a character for the second yeah. time. So he understands how, you know, what you were, how crazy it is, what you were doing, why the crowd was going as crazy as they were when you were Shanks. You know, you had already, it's just, it was just so cool. It was fun, man. Yeah. We were all like, it felt like true, like, like we were playing like all-star basketball, like throwing the ball around like, I oh, said, you got this? You yeah. got this? Okay, it I'm about to. Yeah. It felt like to me. No look passes, yeah, the whole thing. It was literally, I said this after the show. I go, that was like uh, an NBA finals game and we did Harlem Globetrotters shit throughout it. Like it's a big, serious deal. And one of the things that I noticed was towards the end of the episode, um, we had a boring lady. Mm-hmm. And we had an unlikable guy, perhaps one of the most unlikable people ever. He knocked over a table's <laughs> drinks on his way to the stage. Wouldn't apologize and wouldn't offer to pay for it either. It was weird. It was weird. The guy was just a dick. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, even even that helped because I knew that, A, that shows how hard what we've been doing is. It's the most improvised show out there. Oh, yeah. Sorry to say it, but, and I've said this on Kill Tony a few times, but I think we make SNL look weak. They have millions of dollars to spend, tens and tens of writers, all the rehearsal in the world. They know what's going on. Our show, improvised as hell. Characters, drawings, music, comedians comedy improvising everything's happening in this storm so i like that towards the end of that episode on monday for the five-year anniversary that we got a boring lady because i'm trying to draw it out of her i'm not really getting it right mm-hmm. nothing's really clicking because i could feel everybody sort of feels bad for her she was sort of like maybe in her 40s and like you know it just wasn't bumping you know you sort of feel bad for someone that's been doing it a few years that wasn't funny that sort of doesn't take it seriously and and the most exciting thing about her is that she reads books or some shit like that and then we get the dickhead up there 
who's just generating booze. And, 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 and I love it because it shows how hard what we're doing is. And I knew that I was sitting on my mom. Like I was like waiting to pull the trigger on that. And I knew that it was going to make it bigger, her thing, that she wasn't going to be buried by some comedian, that the whole crowd was about to lose their minds because they also thought that that – that the douchebag, the dickhead at the end was going to be the last thing that they saw. Right. I, I go. To, I already said, go to the bucket one more time. And then I go, let's, what do you say? We go to the bucket one more time, you know, and then You're we had to cleanse the, the palate. Yeah. Right. And then boom, I knew that it was going to work perfectly. I knew. What, was it surreal seeing your mom do that minute of stand up? It was, uh, it was super surreal. It's it's crazy because you, you're just sort of like hoping you're hoping that yeah. she stays on track. I love that you helped with the microphone. Like immediately, I noticed that. I'm like, oh my god, thank you. Because you know, there's so many things to. It's like a golf swing, stand up comedy. There's so many things to remember at once, no. and if you think any too hard about any one thing at all, you're fucked because you just forgot about the other two things. So, she doesn't know how to hold the microphone. She doesn't know where. She was just literally at at a couple points talking, and I'm thinking, God no, come on, come on, come on get the in your face like I'm thinking all these things so fast and your hand was like an angel it literally reminded me of like the shit you see like you know where there's one set of Angels footprints in the yeah exactly exactly <laughs> your hand coming in and putting the mic in front of her face like I'm like oh my god thank you because I knew that if she just was able to execute that it was going to destroy the and room and full stand dude one of my favorite parts in when you watch the video so sh- spoiler she gets a full standing ovation Upon her arrival and at the Red end. Band is the only yeah. person sitting and Tony goes, Wow, a full standing ovation. <laughs> Except Red Band. And then he like, oh, oh. <laughs> like he gets I'm up. looking at Joe Rogan and Dom Irera fully standing in like salute mode. <laughs> and then you got Red Band over there still trying to figure out why the cat and the bear isn't working. Jesus Christ. All right, let's do one or two more of these, and then okay. we got sax talk. Ooh, a story of a sexual encounter. Ooh, damn! Ooh, dirty. Me playing some sax underneath. Um, I think this is an important question to address because I keep getting it, you keep getting it. So let's talk about it real quick. At Glassics underscore Co. Um, I'd like to know the full story about Pat leaving. That last episode he was on with the keyboard FX seemed like a meltdown but that's also kind of his shtick glad to see him come back for the five-year anniversary though and that he's still doing the pre-show pat's a rock star i found pat uh i think it was um maybe he was opening up a roast battle or something like that i gave him a huge compliment i go man i hate i hate musical comedy but what you did was awesome up there tonight and he goes, cool, here's a CD. And at the time, I had this uh, little janky car that had a CD player. And I remember putting in the CD thinking, uh, this is going to, this is going to, this is, I've was tried. Like I've Pat tri- Reagan smells like shit or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Tried, you know, and I've tried listening to maybe at the time 35 people's out, uh, CDs in my lives. And it's over 35. And I popped in Pat Reagan smells like shit. And sounded good it sounded like real music and it was actually funny and that's all it takes it turns out if the music's actually good if you were just listening for the music you got it and then the more you pay attention to the lyrics the more you realize this shit's hilarious greg's dad why the how the fuck is what some dude named greg's dad is in this one two (laughs) three then we jump in the water 
just you and me and your oceans of blue that surround us. It's true. That surround us. Anyway, so I uh, listened to that album and my mind was completely blown. I'm like, you know, just like with anyone and everything when it comes to uh, Kill Tony, it's like, you know, I like to work with my funniest friends. It is a big deal and it and yes, it always cracks me up sometimes. I'll see like a comment or a tweet or something like, how does it feel that Jeremiah was funnier than you yesterday? It's like, you fucking idiot. It's by design, you buffoon. It's... I, I, that's what I want. It's no matter, I want everybody to kill. If it's up to me, I'll be the least funny person on the show. I got, I'm, I'm hosting it. The fact that you are, right? Does this make sense? Oh, totally. Like it's, it, it, LeBron, LeBron, look, let me put it to you this way. LeBron James, I'm not saying I'm LeBron, but LeBron doesn't care if he scores 13 points. If his team wins, then you won. It's about the W. Right. And um, people ask me all the time, and this is not a knock against anybody who's asking to do stand up on the spot, but I have to tell them, I'm like, I am always trying to be the lowest person on the totem pole yeah. on those lineups. Yeah. Like I'm trying to build everybody up right around and me. And I don't think a lot of people realize that they've never seen anyone host a show like Kill Tony is hosted. There's n- you, anything you've ever seen on your TV or your internet or your Netflix or your fucking anything. There's so many moving parts. I will put anything up against hosting a live episode of Kill Tony. You, th- I don't think people know every show they've ever watched on TV when the person's looking at the camera at you, they are reading words written by a writer like me. it's fucking true and it's crazy shit and kill tony is all moving parts continuously i'm looking at you i'm looking at dom i'm looking at joe i'm feeling out joelberg i'm looking at what red band has loaded up i'm talking to that person i'm still thinking of funny stuff once in a while but mostly i'm hosting i'm thinking what can we find out about this person what else what's gonna lead to set everybody else up or yourself up for the next big thing and that's why the show is completely refillable and we have new things happening all the time at 260 some episodes in five years so oh yeah so the pat thing was you know i asked him if he wanted i literally gave pat the most royal treatment that i've ever even heard of i go dude you can do whatever you want how about crowd warm-up basically you get to perform in front of the audience that we built while audience load-in is happening i i feel like the show's so special that while the room's being sat you know before the show starts that we could have even more going on so i think you playing some music up there would be great do whatever you want which is a crazy opportunity to have you know 15 20 minutes to do whatever you want Gave it to him, and uh, I can't remember if immediately I offered him the band. I go, will you be the band? I mean, it all just happens so yeah, quick because it it's yeah. just full trust. And um, I don't think it's really, you know, um, the sh- I don't think the show really fits Pat's sense of humor. And it, it sort of ended up being, um, I mean, I don't think it completely fits it. It certainly does. He absolutely has killed, you know what I mean? But it's hard to describe to somebody that's not, you know a level jedi comedy fan that pat's a little bit alty if you know what that means right it's sort of like a go against the grain you know he's a writer for the eric andre show so that might tell you something of like a little context for very outside the box like it's like what hasn't been done you know what i mean 
And um, he was, uh, his character sort of evolved into um, sort of like a lackey, I guess one could say, almost like a stooge sort of a little bit, a little bit, right? Sort of like how Red Band is too, like, oh, Red Band, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where the like, that's my boy Patty Reagan came from, is whether he would kill or whenever he'd say something so shocking and outrageous that I'm just like, you don't even know how to respond to it, but I'm still endorsing, that's my boy Patty Reagan right there. Yeah. And, you know, the show just kept evolving, and it's a natural part of the evolution. And uh, the keyboard day that happened... I never even talked to Pat about that. We never even had to have a discussion about that. I talked, um, you know, uh, with no one about that. And it just organically happened that I think. He called you or, or actually pulled you aside, yep. if I remember correctly. Yep. He gave me like, a phone call. I took it and we talked about it. And he said that uh, um, if it's okay with me, that uh, he wants to uh, move on from the show and that he still wants to do the crowd warm up. And I go, love you, buddy. Let's do it. Yeah. I'll keep the, I, I go, I can keep the rest of the band. He goes, yep. I go, so Jeremiah will be the new band leader. He's like, yep. I'm like, okay, crowd warm up. See you Monday. Have fun. Keep yeah. t- taking chances, having fun. Cause I think he's so talented that uh, I, I still fully, fully, completely uh, more than a hundred percent endorse him and want him to have fun and take chances uh, before the show and looking, you know, kill Tony using kill Tony as a place for him to grow. Cause I think you and him and your guys' new album is going to make you guys even, uh, put you in a, in a whole nother. I'm so excited for you to hear that, man. Me too. And everybody like I'm, I've been, talking about on this podcast for a bit it's being mixed right now but i'm like you mentioned music that sounds good and then then the lyrics being funny like we put a lot of work and we have i've got, seen you guys do a lot of practice a lot of work but most importantly i've worked with you guys long enough to know that neither one of you really get that excited about something and when you guys bring up this album i can tell that you know you're sitting on some nuclear power so i you're both when it comes to future projects very humble guys always and you guys are excited about this and the fact that you're excited has me like whoa hopefully you guys will still hang out with me after this album oh, comes whatever, out. Dude. <laughs> come on we're editing with lucas hurl later today uh a music video that we shot mm. one of the first music videos that we're going to drop for it. dude city films uh at cory shaw ty what do you think jeremiah versus tony round two should be People mm. keep asking me that question. People are like, "What's the next thing you guys are gonna do for uh, for Kill Tony as like a as like a a thing or whatever?" Wow, I don't really know. What do we do? Another waking challenge? I don't think that's gonna work. I think we learned uh, you have a slight advantage when it comes to getting <laughs> fat. I don't know. Have you put any thought in this? That's a tough question. Well, we can't fight because we're in different weight classes for sure. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> I would break your nose so fast that. <laughs> well, that would be the thing. Uh, we couldn't do face shots. I'll tell right. you that much. Yeah, but I don't know, man. My reach is pretty. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> we'll be thinking of it, guys. I hope so. Did you have a worst night as a comedy store employee? Ah, oh, worst night as a comedy store. So you just remember this is the worst night being employed here. 
There was one night, um, Halloween, again, I think it's 2009, 2008 maybe. I was brand spanking new, just a little boy. And I did a, there was a guy named John Sheezer working there. Uh, cool dude. Kansas City Zone. Yep. And he had been working there longer than me, so it was sort of like a peer pressure thing. It was Halloween night. It was one of my first Halloweens in West Hollywood, seeing all the crazy stuff happening. And at some point at like 10 or 11, which is pretty early in a comedy store night at around 10 o'clock, he goes, hey, man, eat this. It's mushrooms. And I took a little handful and uh, ate the mushrooms. And it's now like 1130 or whatever, and it really didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. And uh, I had to do the marquee. I had to go out front and get the letters and the ladder, and I had to go up and, you know, that's a, that's a human being's job is to get up on a ladder and to take out the old letters for whatever comedians performed there that night and put in the comedians that are performing there tomorrow night. And you're really high up there. It's, you know, at least, what, 15, 20 feet or something like that at least. And, of course, once I get up there, that's when all of a sudden I stop. Like, I, like, pause. Like, somebody hit pause on me. And I was tripping my balls off. My While you're on top of this ladder changing on the marquee. Yes. And I just had no idea what was going on. I was like, I don't even know what letter. I was looking at like an S. And I'm like, uh, uh, It looks like a Chinese like, <laughs> <laughs> like wingding symbol or something like that. I remember the cars going by because it was nighttime oh. on the Sunset Strip. Right. Oh. Just the streetlights looking like meteors. I felt like I was in outer space and they were comets and meteors just like going by like... It's crazy. <laughs> Tony. Whoa. Is this the mushroom man? This is the mushroom man. <laughs> this is the guy that Jeremiah thinks you hear when you're on mushrooms. <laughs> Isn't that the guy that you hear when you're on mushrooms? Oh, yeah, totally. Tony. Oh, wow. Yes, mushroom man. Don't. Freak out, okay? Okay, I won't. I, mean, I, I sort of want to, but... You're tripping your balls off right now. Oh my god, this is frightening. Your soul is about to enter another dimension. Oh yeah, what dimension is it? A dimension where Jeremiah is a good skateboarder? Possibly. That is a dimension very, very far away. <laughs> you are right. If I've ever seen anybody trip before, it was Jeremiah when he was told that, he, oh, let's do this, bro. <laughs> As the mushroom man, I have to tell you, you took too many <laughs> mushrooms. Yes, I did. And now you will pay the price. Oh, my God. What's going to happen? Is this the billion dollar man? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow, the mushroom man and the billion dollar man. And we the- are the same. <laughs> wow. We are the same, Tony. Oh my God, this is frightening. Yes, the billion dollar man is a bad, bad man. But the mushroom man is very flippant. He can be good and he can be bad. What will he be for you tonight? <sighs> the... That this that is very scary. Perfect. <laughs> uh, well, scary stuff. Well, that explains uh, your your definitely your your worst night at uh, the comedy store for sure. Yep. Yeah, it was very trippy, and I was poor. You got to realize, like I was like poor, and my living situation's horrible. 
no matter what time that was, whether I was in the, you know, in a weird studio apartment with a bunch of comedians or in the backseat of my car. I can't remember exactly when that fell, uh, when that timeline fell, but it was, you know, I was eating Subway every day. You know, I'd get a $5 foot long and I'd eat six inches for lunch and six inches for dinner. And that was basically how I survived. Wow. $5 a day. I didn't even have a fridge. I couldn't make my own sandwich. You know, it's like if I bought anything, the other comedians in whatever apartment I was living in would just eat it. You know, you can't, there was just no, no safety. You know what I mean? This brings us to our final segment. We'll do it real quick. Yeah. Sax talk. Let's do it. Oh. This is where uh, you um, play the saxophone and we talk about uh, crazy stuff or something like that. Yeah, crazy sex story that you've had in the past and I'll jazz it up with some saxophone underneath you. Really? Is that true? Crazy sex story? Uh Uh-huh. People really give you true crazy sex stories? Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be necessarily crazy. It can just be any kind of sexual encounter that you've had because like Dom Herrera shared one where he almost had a threesome, but then he uh, was, up. he came on his dashboard <laughs> in his car. <laughs> he didn't even make it inside the hotel room <laughs> with these two chicks. <laughs> that is hilarious. It was amazing. Oh, my God. Wow. A sex story, man. Where do I... I don't want to do that one. So maybe we'll... <laughs> he's like going through all and like fil- <laughs> filtering out which one. I am married now. Which one do I not want out there? Oh, wow. Crazy sex. Story. Man. Hmm. All right. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, nothing gets me in the mood more than uh, than the sweet sound of that horn. So let's see, sex story. Hmm. Should I give you a sex story from before I got married or after I got married? I'll let you pick that one, and then I'll go with it. Whoa. Um. Huh. Because it's very educational to you kids out there that haven't been married. Uh, what's well, what sex? What happens to sex after you've been married? So it's one or the other. Okay, let's do let's do after marriage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's do it this way. Um. So we got married. I got married uh, to my lovely wife, who um, I live with. We have a puppy together. We sleep together every night when I'm not on the road, and we wake up every morning together. And um, you know, stuff gets sort of redundant once in a while, you know. And after you get married, no matter how hard you try, there's always a thing where you realize, like, oh, this is it. It's the same pussy forever. This is it. So really, you know, sort of a lot of stuff slowly fades away, right? The foreplay, the oral sex, all of a sudden you just, uh, you know, sort of will walk up, you know, like the other day, for example. My wife's in the kitchen, just making some pasta carbonara. For those of you that don't know, carbonara edits, but I know a lot of you out there are thinking, oh, what is that, like peas and ham with the cream sauce? I live in Albany. No, you're wrong. That's not what real carbonara is. Real carbonara is, uh, you know, an egg-based 
uh, sauce with with really good bacon, but you got to cut the fat out of the bacon. It's lean meat. And it's one of my wife's specialties. And I'm already smelling this fucking bacon cooking. Life's good. It's one of my favorite meals. I know for a fact I have a good spot that night. I know this food's going to give me the fuel and I'm going to have a fun night. And my wife's cooking. And, you know, like I said, the foreplay sort of goes out of the window sometimes. Turns out this would be one of those times. She's cooking. And, you know, I come up behind her and I tell her how good it smells. And how excited I am to eat it. And then I spit on her pussy and shoved my dick in her. Yeah, I came in like uh, probably about, uh, I don't know, like 25 seconds. And, uh, yeah, I had lifted up her uh, her dress. And, the, and she was sort of bent over the kitchen counter, but like not like, it's not like a hard bend. It wasn't like a 90 degree angle or anything like that. So I'm sort of like holding this dress up while coming all over her back and her asshole and like her butt crack and it's just sort of shooting everywhere. I can see that a lot of it got in this dress. You know, it was an explosive, explosive. Damn right. And, you know, I'm seeing that, you know, the whole thing's a mess. Now all of a sudden, now I'm holding up the dress with the left hand and comes just everywhere, right? So what do I have to do? I can't let go of this left hand. I have to hold that up or else they're pretty little dress gets all cummy so I'm like I have to keep her there and somehow I have to reach for the paper towels that are on the that are on a roll on the other side of the kitchen so it's like I'm holding this and I'm like stay there you know don't move you know because she's sort of just like oh my god you're gonna get something right and uh I'm able to reach the paper towels and uh I wipe from low to high because you never want to go high to low accidentally make a baby so you want to get the cum to go if you will call the old cum and go and uh yeah that's that's basically how i have sex now it's like uh it's like a just a, a when it happens it's just basically a fucking explosive quickie you know and uh that's really it And that's just a story of like a common day. But if you want to hear a crazy sex story, you're going to have to come uh, see me and Jeremiah do stand-up live because uh, I can't give away those golden bits. Don't call it a comeback. That's what that story's called. What a lovely story about your new nuptials. <laughs> that's basically... And how it's changed. Yeah, that's my wife. Yeah. Now, now lately, it's weird because I, I, I wanted to do it the other day, the same type of thing, because it's like that was fun a couple weeks ago, you know, one of the things we did. I wanted to do it the other day, but now we just got a puppy, and I'm... It turns out I'm like an overprotective parent. <laughs> like, I don't want to ruin my uh, I don't want to ruin my brand here on your show. But it turns out I have like a really big heart. It's true. Tony's one of the <laughs> nicest people I've ever met. 
you're, you're serious, I'm, right? I'm being 100% serious with that. And I, I mean, he's, like, he keeps his friends and loved ones closer than anybody. Yeah. You don't want to cross Tony though. Yeah. And so I got this new puppy and I'm like way overly protective. I don't like leaving her alone. I like to make sure that we set uh training and like examples and you know, like we, we stay consistent and all these things. And I'm deathly afraid of coming on this dog. Like it's like I have a legitimate yeah, fear. Yeah, you don't want your dog to accidentally get I, into anything. I don't want her to eat my cum. I don't want her to li- have to lick it off. Or I'm afraid that cum is gonna drip on my dog. It's a fear that I have every day. I do not want to come on this cute little puppy. Her name's Mallory. She's a half beagle, half Australian shepherd, half American, half Australian, just like my kids are gonna be. Hello, Oopsie Daisy. You want fun. kids? Eventually, I think eventually, way down the road, you know, I just signed a, uh, I just signed on to a, uh, a three-year, uh, three-year payment thing for this uh, Corvette that I got. So, uh, it's a two-seater. So, at least for another three years. There you go. <laughs> That's how you do it, right there. Pro tip: get it, get it when you get a new car, get a two-seater. You won't have to have a baby. I already have a, a two-door coupe, Harvey Dent. Yeah. That's right. Tony's always called uh, his 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 old uh, Mercedes was called the Joker, and uh, he called my car Harvey Dent because there's a giant dent in the driver's side door. It's a it's not really a dent. It's more like uh, his the left side of his car was in a demolition <laughs> derby, <laughs> and the right side is, is just a shitty car. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it's Harvey Dent for you right there. But now his new car is Batman and. Uh, my car's two-faced now. <laughs> <laughs> it is two-faced because the other side's nice. I know. The other side is nice. That is so funny. <laughs> Harvey Dent and Two-Faced. Yeah, man. What are they, that's so crazy. Wow. Yeah, man. I love that. I keep getting the uh, the good side of the, the coin on this. <laughs> if you know anything about Two-Faced. Hello. Oh, yeah. Dude, uh, anything else you want to plug? I mean, a lot of the people who listen to this uh, also follow your stuff, but uh, we got some fun Kill Tony stuff coming up. Huge stuff coming up. You know, we I already mentioned New York City, but uh, really the bread and butter of what we're uh, excited to promote right now is Kill Tony in Montreal, Canada, the Just for Laughs Festival, and uh, Toronto, JFL 42. And I really am going to... I really am going to uh, figure out a way to uh, make sure. I, I have to figure out a way to get you to uh, both of those. I have. Yeah, to I'm really out hoping that. Uh, yeah, I can make it there. I have to figure out a way. If we have to put you in a hot air balloon and sneak you over the border of Canada, then uh, we're gonna do it. I mean, not like not like that's the issue, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, a bunch of, a uh, bunch of stand-up comedy and things like that. Lexington, Kentucky, we have coming up and Kill Tony in Nashville, Toronto, Montreal, New York City. Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. Detroit, Lansing, Grand Rapids. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of work going yeah. on here. And, uh, I do stand up a lot at those festivals as well. That's all part of the wired in deal with, uh, both Montreal and Toronto is I have to do stand up performances and skank fest. I'm going to be singing a song at skank fest, but I'm pretty sure skank fest is already good and sold and they, they don't need any help. So 
you know, if you're in any of those Midwest cities, we're going to be there. Cleveland Hilarities, August 1st and 2nd. That's where we're doing it? Yeah. I love that club. Me I too. love that club. Yeah. That's awesome. We have The rest of the year is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, always more announcements and fun stuff coming around the corner. If you're ever in L.A., come see Kill Tony live on a Monday. And if you live wherever else, uh, come see me live. Unless you live in Albany, kill yourself. Well, dude, uh, and also check out KillTony.tv. I made uh, the website. It has all the Kill Tony video episodes all in one place on one page, and it's just super user-friendly where you can just click on the link and go right to it. And, uh, you know, maybe there maybe there's a couple listeners out there that, you know, maybe you gave Kill Tony a shot early on or something like that, and, uh, you know, maybe you're not the biggest diehard fan of it. I double-dog dare you to listen to the five-year anniversary episode. All of my involvement aside... As a fan of comedy, I think it's uh, one of the cooler things. It's special, man. Yeah, it really is. It's it, Jeremiah's out of control. If you're, a f- of course, if you're listening to this, you're a fan of Jeremiah. I mean, I've n- I don't think I've ever seen anyone shine like you did on this show. So thank you so much, and, uh, and dude, thanks for building something that we can all play on together, man. It's amazing. I still think it's just the beginning of the beginning, my it friends. Is. It so is. We have so, there's a lot of fun stuff on the horizon. To many more. Love you, buddy. Hell yeah. Love you.